Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Bond yields always go down in a recession. You never had a recession where bonds didn't make you money. Equities happen to lose you money. And the recession is just starting. I think that inflation is peaking. And I think that we're seeing peak Fed. Dave Rosenberg's contrarian perspective is on Consuelo Mac Wealth Track. Funding provided by ClearBridge Investments, First Eagle Investments, Royce Investment Partners, Matthews Asia, Strategus Asset Management, and Women Investing in Security and Education. Hello and welcome to this edition of WealthTrack. I'm Consuelo Mack. This week, WealthTrack is celebrating the launch of our 19th season. And what better way to market than to sit down with a guest whose outspoken and meticulously researched opinions frequently challenge the prevailing wisdom on Wall Street. Our guest is David Rosenberg, president, chief economist and strategist at his independent economic consulting firm Rosenberg Research, which he founded in January of 2020. For the decade before that, Rosenberg was chief economist and strategist at Canadian asset management firm Gluskin Sheff. Prior to that, he was chief North American economist at Bank America Merrill Lynch and was consistently ranked an all-star analyst by institutional investors. His daily Breakfast with Dave newsletter has long been considered a must-read by retail and institutional investors alike. Which prevailing views is Rosenberg challenging now? High inflation is at the top of the Federal Reserve's, Washington's, and Wall Street's list. Rosenberg says they're looking at the wrong numbers and that disinflation is already taking hold. Interest rates are expected to go higher for longer. Rosenberg cites evidence of economic slowing, which will require easing sooner than expected. The likelihood of recession is still being debated. Rosenberg is forecasting a recession this year. And what about the already steep bear market decline? Is a bottom anywhere in sight? Well, Rosenberg is ready for that question, too. But first, I asked him why, with the CPI at 40-year highs, the Fed shouldn't be doing whatever it takes to fight inflation. Well, I say that uh, because of the nature of the inflation that we're seeing. Uh, It's really been just a case of a series of very adverse uh, global supply shocks. Uh, I guess you could argue that a year ago, you know, with uh, what I call the Biden budget buster, that we also had a temporary period with all those stimulus checks of unrelenting demand. But that's really in the rearview mirror. That's not the story anymore. We're seeing the economy, the demand side of the economy, weaken off materially over the course of the past six months. The COVID itself was a, a huge disruption to the global economy. Uh, The cost push inflation results uh, have continued. Um, But on top of that, you know, look what's happened this year. We had the Omicron. uh, That was, again, a supply disturbance, a cost push supply disturbance on the inflation side. Who was predicting that Vladimir Putin was going to go into Ukraine? And look what that's done to food and energy prices. And energy, you know, feeds into practically everything. And then China, uh, you know, goes ahead with this very aggressive uh, COVID zero policy where they're locking down uh, port city after port city that are integral to the global supply chain. At some point this year, 
uh, Beijing locked down 400 million people. Uh, that has an impact on demand, but the much bigger impact has been on, as economists would say, the global supply curve. But you're, you're saying it's, it's not a problem that the Fed can fix. Well, what's the central bank going to do about that? This isn't like a situation where, wow, we have 5%, 6% demand growth. The, the Fed's got to cool off demand. Most of this inflation, and I think Janie Yellen never should have apologized. She was right, actually, last year, that uh, this sort of inflation we're seeing, it is extremely unusual. If we had tremendous demand, I'd say, yeah, the Fed has got to cool this thing off right. and reduce demand growth. We, we, what did we see in the first quarter? Negative one and a half percent. First quarter GDP. All the economists say, well, that's all exports and inventories, as if that's not part of the economy. And the Atlanta Fed itself is a zero percent uh, for the second quarter, and we have no visibility in the third quarter. Uh, so we're either heading into recession or something very close to it. Uh, Which would and, be disinflationary. Well, well, it would be disinflationary, right. but what I'm trying to say is that, you know, we've already had a substantial tightening in financial conditions, uh, not just the Fed raising interest rates um, and pledging to do more, and of course the balance sheet runoff, which is only now starting. But, right, it's just uh, the, starting. The, the equity, but the equity cost of capital has shot up dramatically. The uh, debt cost of capital, I mean, look what the high-yield bond market has done, and the super strong U.S. dollar. We've had a substantial tightening in financial conditions that feeds right into domestic demand. So uh, I guess what I'm saying is that what's going to surprise a lot of people uh, is that the story going forward is that the supply curve may well remain inelastic. Uh, we may still have these supply have bottleneck problems. Uh -huh. they, they, they may get resolved or not get resolved. But the Fed has already told us that when they, you know, when they said we're not doing transitory, we're not in the transitory camp anymore, Powell comes out several months ago, says we are no longer relying on an easing of global supply chains. Uh, damn the torpedoes, full steam ahead. Um, we're going to start right. to tighten policy. But, you know, I would just say, look how abnormal it is. I mean, a, a normal tightening cycle, the Fed's going 25 basis points, maybe stopping at a meeting and, and pausing to assess. This is what they did from 2015 to 2018. Uh, and uh, they're on autopilot right now. And it's almost as if people have become numb, like 75 basis points. Well, why not 100? 75 basis points is like the new 50. 50 is the new 25. They're moving, I'm just saying, they're moving way too aggressively. The risk right. is that, the risk is that they're, we're going to have demand contraction. We're going to have a recession. Inflation always falls in recession. So what should the Fed be focusing on? And what should their policy be doing? Please, look through the front window. You're spending too much time looking through the rearview mirror. And so chasing the headline inflation rate, by the way, lagging indicator. Secondarily, the fundamental forces at play have really come from oil prices and all mm -hmm. the things that oil prices affect throughout the CPI. We are battling yesterday's story. It was a one-year story. The New York Fed's model says that there's an 80% chance of a hard landing. What's your view? We have financial conditions are back to where they were in May 2020, by the way, when we were in the second month of that two-month recession. But back then, the Fed was easing into it. Now the Fed is tightening into the tightest, uh, most restrictive financial conditions since May of 2020. And they're saying that they have more to do. I think they're locked into whether it's going to be 50 or 75. A lot of people want to go 75. Uh, People are talking about they've gone from, you know, from transitory to now front loading rate hikes. Um, the Fed, you know, this is we've never seen this before. The Fed has never raised interest rates, continued to raise interest rates into a fundamental bear market. When you've had the S&P down more than 20 percent in a five month plus span, as we've just seen, 
you've had a recession uh, within the next uh, six months, never right. more than 12 months. But the stock market is a leading indicator. It is a leading indicator. And, you know, Paul Samuelson famously said that the stock market has uh, correctly predicted nine of the past five recessions is not technically true because when you're taking a look at fundamental bear markets uh, that you measure both in, in time and in space, uh, this is a recessionary bear market. It fits all the classic characteristics. What is baked into the stock market at this point as far as a re recession is concerned? Well, right now, just down over 20% five-month period. Uh, you can compare this to the sort of decline we had back in 1990-91. Um, and so that was an average recession, uh, and uh, it wasn't cataclysmic. Um, but right now, I would say the stock market is pricing in a, I would say, a mild to moderate recession. I'm not going to get into the how, how deep is it going to be. To me, the more critical question is, if we can if we can basically agree that we're going into a recession. You're saying that we're going to have a recession this year, right? The stock market's telling you that. Like, like how okay. you don't you don't go. The stock market is not a two-year leading indicator. The stock market leads by six months. Mm -hmm. The most it's ever led a recession is twelve months. So where people get off saying it's going to be next year's story, I'm talking about from the peak. Okay, so the peak was January the third. So it's it's just basically is is as no basis in fact or history that the stock market leads by two years. The peak was at the beginning of the year. We're in a fundamental bear market. Fundamental bear markets, not corrections, do lead recessions. You got Jay Powell in a matter of a week. In a matter of a week, he's gone from uh, no recession, soft landing, and now he's basically saying, "Well, we may get a recession." You mentioned the New York Fed, uh, the mm -hmm. Liberty Economics blog, eighty percent chance of a recession. Uh, and here, John Williams, who heads up the New York Fed, puts his hand up for seventy-five basis points. You, you see what I mean? Is that is that they are running a serious risk here of an unnecessary recession? To kill, to kill demand, um, instead of letting the supply side, you see, because they've been, it's a case of once burned, twice shy. They, they thought it was transitory. I'm telling you, I still believe this is transitory. What I'll say is that, yeah, if we continue to get these recurring supply side shocks, inflation is going to become a big problem. Well, the Fed can't really control that. Even the most hawkish people out there, Mohammed Alarian and Larry Summers and the like, who thought between Omicron, Russia, Russia is such a big deal from an inflationary shock. It's sort of an inflationary shock as well as that becomes a deflationary shock. Just like when oil hit $150, people thought, oh, inflation, 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 summer of 08. At some point, it becomes a deflationary shock on real incomes. When do we see a turnaround in inflation where it actually rolls over? Well, I think because of gasoline prices, we have one more bad month. Okay. And then... And then it's, uh, you know, as they say uh, in Quebec, les jeux sont faits, the, the gig is up. I, no, I, I don't agree at all that inflation is going to continue to go up. I think it's going to go down and go down materially. I uh, don't agree with that one bet. Okay, um, regardless the, well, of what the Fed does. Regardless of what the Fed says, if you looked at the Fed's historical track record, uh, you, you'd be quite amazed that they could have 300 PhD economists on staff and get their macro calls wrong so much. It's rather incredible. Now, I, of course, I, I shouldn't be in a glass house throwing stones, but I don't have three, 300 PhD economists. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you right now, I, I've done this exercise to show you what I do for fun, uh, and maybe in the old days at Merrill, how much time I spent on the tarmac. But I, I went back to, to what's called the Green Book. Uh, for every FOMC meeting, you can get this in the FOMC transcripts, you know, back to the late 1960s. And I went to the Green Book, which contains all the, all the macro forecasts by the Fed, that the economists give the, uh, the, the, the decision makers uh, a month before the recession. 
they've never seen the recession. They've never had a minus sign for the coming year. So yeah, you know what the thing is that I, I will gladly bet against uh, the Fed's view on this right now. Although you're seeing shades of gray, like Powell is not going to change in a dime, but his tone uh, a little bit different. Uh, it, a little it bit is. different it's changing. Uh, in Congress. Well, and, and very quickly. Well, look, let me just explain. Um, commodity prices are peeling back. The, all, all the base metals. You want to look tin, lead, zinc, aluminum, copper's down. Copper's down like 25%. Look at lumber's down like 60%. Like, like oil, oil is now down. The energy stocks actually leave the oil price. They're all of a sudden energy stocks in a two-week period are in a bear market. The markets are telling you, mm-hmm. America is a nation of drivers. Well, what do you know? The uh, the uh, uh, energy information energy agency tells us that uh, energy demand in the U.S. household sector is down three percent in June from what it was a year ago. So you're seeing the demand destruction in energy. So thanks very much. I don't. I think energy prices have peaked. Maybe not permanently, but certainly for the next year, the demand side's taking over. And what I'm trying to say here is that the big surprise is going to be that the next shoe to drop is going to be the labor market. And you're going to start to see, uh, because companies didn't just... And that unemployment is going to increase? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I, I can tell you why. By definition, the unemployment rate has to go up. So, uh, or else how are you going to kill inflation? So is, is Powell uh, are, and the Fed, are they going to kill the economy? That's my question. My sense is that it's too late. They're the damage in- is done. Well, they're tightening into a bear market in equities. I, I will continue to say, despite what you think about the stock market, the S&P 500 is a leading indicator. Is it perfect? There is no perfect leading indicator. But the stock market is actually a pretty darn good one. And this is a recession bear market. And they're still tightening. If we're in a recessionary bear market now, um, you know, a lot of people are, are looking at the declines we've had and said, you know, valuations are getting more attractive uh, you know, what, what are you telling investors? What are you telling your clients uh, about market conditions, future market conditions, and, uh, you know, and, and how we can protect ourselves from the bear market if we can? Or is it, you know, are valuations attractive enough to, to start you know, buying? What I'm saying is that when you're going through bear market rallies like we are now. Uh, so this is it, a bear market. These are bear course. market rallies. Of course. Okay. Of yep. course. Um, and, and we had... We had so many of these, uh, you know, we had something like 33, 2.5% plus days in the S&P in 08 and 09. In, in, in 01 and 02, we had over 20 of these bear market rallies, these wild swings. This is all characteristic of, of short covering. Short covering can produce, uh, on an interim basis, some real significant buying power. It's not real traditional buying, but the short squeeze uh, can be significant. That's what we're seeing right now. Of course, it's a bear market rally. Yes, Valuations have improved 100%. We, we entered into this bear market with valuations almost as extreme, not quite, as they were heading into the dot-com bubble the bust. The dot-com. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's a bit of a problem. We've, we've, we've mean reverted. Yes, we've gone back to the long-run mean on the PE multiple, no matter how you want to measure it. But mean reversion doesn't mean you stop at the mean. Uh, you never stop at right. the average. The average is some horizontal line uh, over time. Uh, mean reversion means... By definition, and this always happens in the market, you go from one extreme to the other extreme. Drop multiples are 12. That's You buy the market in a recessionary bear market when they get crazy low. We're not at a 12 multiple yet. If we get a classic recession in profits, which I think we will, I think we're going to have a recession. I strongly think that we're going to have a recession starting in the second half of the year. And, second half uh, of this year, right. 2022. Think of how horrible a call it is to say recessions next year. When you consider the stock market bottoms 
two thirds to three quarters of the way through recession. You see these people, these Pied Pipers uh, and shills and promoters who are telling people, oh, the recession's next year. You know how, what a horrible call that is for an investor? Because it means that the stock market won't bottom until sometime late next year. Late next year. Imagine telling an investor recession is, gonna, is, is next year's story. Well, the stock market is forward-looking. The stock market bottoms. For example, March of 09 bottom, recession ends three months later, June of 09. Stock market looks forward. Dave, what are you telling investors as far as the duration of the bear market and its severity from here? I, I don't know about the duration. I can tell you about the magnitude. Um, yeah. There's different ways you can skin this cat. I, 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 I think that we will bottom around 3,100. And I say that because I, I work back to what the Fed wants. The Fed wants 2% inflation. It's not just about inflation going down. They've said repeatedly, it's not just about inflation going down. They have to see evidence we're going back to 2% inflation. We're going to 2 from 86 it's not going to happen that quickly. But they're not saying that we want inflation to go down. They're saying we want inflation to go down and go down towards 2%. So we ran these models uh, because the Fed ultimately infects the economy through financial conditions. They're, how their actions interact with the, with the markets, which we're seeing in real time already. Uh, so we had estimated that for the Fed to get inflation at 2%, uh, they would have to tighten financial conditions to such an extent that uh, high yield spreads would have to blow out past 700 basis points, call it another 200 basis points above where we are right now on high yield spreads, and the stock market, the S&P 500, down to 3,100. Um, that is basically, well, that's our base case scenario. So it's, um, it's uh, it, it, what I'm saying, by the way, is that we have other models telling us that it, it, it could even be, it could be even worse than that. I don't know mm -hmm. what the duration is going to be. I, I have a sense as to what's going to make sense. When we get down to 3,100, uh, even if it goes down further, uh, I will be at that point. That's when I'll start to be buying the dips. Uh, that's where I think real value is going to open up, and no one's going to, no one rings an alarm bell at the very low. At the very low, the valuations get absolutely crazy attractive. I just am telling clients: make sure you have liquidity and cash on hand uh, to put it to work, because this thing is not over by a long shot. The analysts haven't cut their numbers, so we're going to be in for a pro prolonged period here of earnings disappointments, earnings misses, analysts taking down their numbers, and that's going to be the next leg to the spare market. I think basically, at best, maybe we're about halfway done. In terms of duration, I don't know. I just know, I know what I have to look for to tell my clients it's not an alarm bell, and, and you don't have to put all 10 toes into the risk pool, but maybe start dipping some toes in. When I start seeing that the recession call becomes universal, when it becomes the consensus, uh, that will be, uh, from a contrarian standpoint, I will no longer be the contrarian. That's an important data point. You believe the Fed's going to ease sooner than everyone expects? What has to happen? Something very important, which we haven't talked about, because we're only talking about Fed tightening. Sorry, sorry, the markets don't bottom when the Fed's tightening an environment like this. We have to see them start to ease policy. Uh, so that's going to be very important, okay, to see that swing. Just not much different than the Fed pivot that caused the market to turn around hitting into 2019, except what's different is that in a recession, the Fed really has to do a lot of work cutting interest rates. That might not be till next year if we're looking at, or maybe later this year, it's hard to believe right now, talking about the Fed cutting interest rates. But also, you know, this is what I'm telling people to do. If you want to turn bullish on stocks, if you want to turn bullish on stocks, and boy, who doesn't? Even me, the so-called <laughs> perma bear, which I'm not. I would love to turn bullish on stocks. But what has to happen first is the bond market has to rally. Because in these sorts of recessionary bear markets, you don't get a bottom in the S&P 500 
until treasury yields go down. And normally, on average, again, this is an average and a median, the decline in the treasury note yield at the lows in the stock market is 160 basis points from the peak. I guess you'd say to me, good grief, I guess what you're saying is that the 10-year treasury note yield has to get to 1.6% before you turn bullish on equities. And I'm saying, well, yeah, that's exactly right. But that actually makes perfect okay. sense because it's at that level of the 10-year treasury note that is going to offer equity investors some real compelling relative valuation. Because take a look at where, where you know, where is the um, uh, dividend yield right now on the S&P is 1.6. At the lows, at the lows of bear market recessions, the lows uh, in the bond yield correlate perfectly with the level of the S&P dividend yield. At what point do we actually have the dividend yield and the 10-year treasury note yield intersect? Well, that means that we either go to 1.6% on the 10-year note. So I'm saying right now, you're asking me what I'm telling clients, buy bonds. 1.6%. Yeah. So you're telling and, them to do that now. Well, because you, but, well, because you got to tell, what, what, you know, the chicken's got to come before the egg. You uh -huh. turn bullish on treasuries, Treasury yields are going to go stupid low, get out of treasuries, and when it'll get stupid low when? When do they get stupid low? When they match the dividend yield. Well, so uh, it's either if the bond market doesn't do the heavy work for you, then I got news for you. To get to the yield, if you're going to say to me, well, I hate the bond market. The yields are never going to go down. We're going to be stuck above 3%. Well, I got news for you. Then, then if we're going to get to that level of when the dividend yield, bond yield, end up becoming uh, in line with each other, which defines the bear market low, well, then, why don't you just wait then for the S&P to go to 2100? Either the S&P right. goes to 2100 Right, no, and then the yield will definitely go up and it will then be... It <laughs> well, it goes, exactly. the yield goes up to where treasury... So what I'm saying right now is, you know, be look, be patient. Everybody be you know everybody says, you know, you know I, I, I say leave the bottom picking to the proctologist, okay? Mm -hmm. We should just be actually <laughs> focused on what are the factors, because I don't know the answer to the question about the duration of the bear market. I only know that there is going to be a day where this bear market ends. I'll, I want to be prepared for it, uh, but and I have to know what to look for right. to and be able to make that call. And you're not buying on the dips now. That's for sure. A absolutely not. Well, if the recession, well, well, if the recession, I, I've got to stay true to my word and be consistent in my analysis. I think the recession is just getting going. Okay. Uh, the stock market doesn't bottom in the first month of the recession. It bottoms about two-thirds to three-quarters of the way through. So it would be totally wrong-footed of me to say oh well this is the buying it can't how can it be the buying unless unless we don't have the recession unless my recession call is blown out of the water well if look at this is a case where your assumptions drive your conclusions if my recession call is wrong if if you actually any viewer believes that we're going to get out of this in a soft landing that there's not going to be an economic contraction and a 20% decline in earnings, which happens even in plain vanilla recessions, if your view is the soft landing view, I'd be loading up the truck right now. Mm -hmm. I'd be loading up the truck right now. Well, maybe I would be loading up the truck because I'd say that we have maybe fair value and the market's not super cheap. But I would be, I mean, I'm underweight equities. I've been recommending my, my clients to be underweight equities. In, in the meantime, Dave, in investment themes, uh, long treasuries uh, that you would actually be investing in now? I mean, I'm looking at a whole list. You've got gold and pharma biotech, farmland, industrial REITs, defense stocks, alternative investments because the public markets aren't going to do well. So these are still, yeah. this is a very defensive uh, approach. I'd say that basically, look, what's the primary theme right now? I think you want to have cash. You're getting paid, like you're getting paid to be in cash. Why would you not want to buy two-year notes uh, at over 3%? 
uh, in something totally liquid at the front end of the treasury curve. In fact, I would be, I, I would be laddering treasuries right throughout. Um, I think the Fed's got one more rate hike. I think people will be surprised that they're, they're done after July. They're going to go big. They want to front load everything. Why do you think? Because we have November midterm elections. They'd rather stay silent. There's a lot of opportunity. If, if you have ice in your veins, uh, you'd want to buy the long bond or even 30 years uh, zero coupon bonds because to get, you know, you'll get a really big capital gain if I'm right on the interest rate call. Your one investment for a long-term diversified portfolio would be the long treasury bond, the 30-year treasury bond? The answer to the question is yes. I think that uh, especially now that a recession is imminent, bond yields always go down in a recession. You never right. had a recession where bonds didn't make you money. Equities happen to lose you money. Uh, and the recession is just starting. I think that inflation is peaking. And I think that we're seeing peak Fed. But the, no, no risk, no reward. You're taking on duration risk. What I'm saying, though, is that for people that are sort of a little nervous about duration, you're getting paid 3% to be at the front end of the yield curve with no duration risk. Right, the two-year Treasury note. Dave Rosenberg, thank you so much for joining us on Wealth Track. My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. At the close of Ruby Wealth Track, we try to give you one suggestion to help you build and protect your wealth over the long term. This week's action point is consider putting some two-year Treasury notes in your portfolio. As Dave Rosenberg noted, the two-year maturity is benefiting from rapidly rising short-term interest rates now and is also competitive with yields on longer-term Treasuries without taking the risk of holding bonds that won't mature for many years. You can find out more information about buying these securities and other Treasury issues commission-free directly from the U.S. Treasury at Treasury Direct. The two-year treasury combines liquidity with higher income and can be sold easily before maturity or rolled over into another treasury when it comes due. Next week, award-winning international investor Sarah Ketterer on the outstanding value she is finding because of the bear market. In this week's extra feature, Dave Rosenberg talks about what difference living and working in his hometown of Toronto, Canada for well over a decade now has made to his professional life. Please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and our YouTube channel. Thanks for watching. Have a fabulous 4th of July weekend and make the week ahead a healthy, profitable, and productive one.